Welcome to Alaska's Native Voice. From the Carlson Center in Fairbanks, Alaska, I'm Antonia Gonzalez. People from across the state traveled to Fairbanks this week for the first Alaskans Institute's Elders and Youth Conference and the Alaska Federation of Natives Annual Convention. The Elders and Youth Conference brings together older and younger generations to engage in dialogue on critical issues facing their communities. It's also a time to learn from one another to transfer knowledge. The three-day event is held prior to AFN, which serves as the principal voice and forum for the Alaska Native community to work on public policy and government. The AFN convention attracts thousands of people. The events held in Fairbanks will highlight some of the unique issues facing interior Alaska. Join us as we talk to some Alaska Native community members from the interior right after the news. From the 2019 Alaska Federation of Natives Convention in Fairbanks, Alaska, I'm Trip Kraus. Language is front and center at the annual Elders and Youth Conference. This year's theme, Language is Our Superpower, echoed throughout much of the First Alaskans Institute event, and more than 1,100 people registered. On the last day of the conference, First Alaskans President and CEO Liz Medicine Crow reflected on the theme. We should be really thinking about how can we lift up our native languages, um, and it's not a competition. It's a... Um, it's an opportunity to love them all up. Many of the workshops at Elders and Youth revolved around cultural understanding as well as languages such as Lingit, Anungam Tunu, and Gwich'in. For Medicine Crow and others, language is directly tied to sovereignty and self-governance. You know, and if you use language as a place of understanding your relationship to places, then you also are understanding that there is a relationship happening. And so for, especially for our indigenous people, our native people, our native nations, and then as nations, the tribes in which express governance um, right now in a contemporary context, um, you know, being able to be who we are on our own lands, self-governing, requires that we find a pathway for the knowledge of our ancestors, the values of our peoples, um, be the conduit for carrying us through to the next generations. Governance is a way of expressing that. The way we decide to live amongst each other, to treat one another, to be related to one another, to address issues that we share in common together, that's governance. That's something that we've had for thousands of years. The older keynote speaker was Sally Tagita Mayaga Swetsoff from Atka, Alaska. She grew up speaking Anangam Tunu as her first language. Our languages are a direct connection between us who are here today and all of our ancestors who lived in each generation before us. I want each and every one of our youth and elders to remember who we are and where we come from. This is our homeland. Meanwhile, the Alaska Federation of Natives held its 8th annual tribal conference with the National Congress of American Indians. Typically, it's held on the day before the AFN convention begins. Key issues included climate change, blood quantum, and the 2020 U.S. Census. 
Nicole Borromeo is Executive Vice President and General Counsel for the Alaska Federation of Natives. Well, we have a theme this year that is Alaska-driven and good government related. The first part of the theme, good government, speaks to the need to have the state of Alaska working to meet the needs of all Alaskans. And Alaska-driven speaks to the need to have Alaskans driving state policy. So we're going to have a number of panels that are focused on pressing topics related to not only the fiscal policy concerns that have been um, really um, engulfing the legislature and most of the state over the last year, but other con um, constitutional ramifications as to what state policy decisions um, hold for the state. A number of the draft resolutions address state budget cuts to integral issues that affect rural Alaska and Alaska Natives including many budget proposals that Governor Mike Dunleavy vetoed in the budgeting process. Borromeo says those vetoes are definitely on the minds of many regional members. I would say it's in the top five issues for them, if not number one. And um, the delegates here have submitted resolutions that correspond with their priority needs, yes. Several panels on the main stage will address those needs, such as growing concern for public safety. But Borromeo says this is an opportunity for delegates to have a say in current and future policy developments. From Fairbanks, Alaska, I'm Trip Krause. The AFN Newscast, produced by KNBA and Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation. Funding by Arctic Slope Regional Corporation, Rasmussen Foundation, ConocoPhillips, The Siri Foundation, ExxonMobil Alaska, South Central Foundation, Manilik Association, Chalista Corporation, The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, Cook Inlet Lending Center, and Foundation Health Partners. This is a production of KNBA, Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, and Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Service. Welcome to Alaska's Native Voice from the Carlson Center in Fairbanks. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. This week, people from across the state are gathered in Fairbanks at the First Alaskans Institute's Elders and Youth Conference kicks off a week of activities here. Many who attend the gathering each year refer to it as a holiday, Native New Year, because it's not only a time to address many challenges, to maintain the way of life, protect the earth, and explore ways to overcome social ills, but it's also a time to celebrate Native culture, identity, history, and pave a way for future generations. The three-day gathering is held prior to the Alaska Federation of Natives annual convention, which begins Thursday. And it, the AFN and Elders and Youth Conference is held in Fairbanks this year. And so I have some people who are from this area joining me today to talk a little bit about the area and some of the conference activities. I have Nanaba Ej, Peter, welcome, Travis Cole, and Rochelle Adams. Um, not, uh, please introduce yourself. Um, I'm Nana Ej, Peter. And a little bit about yourself. I am... I live in Fairbanks, and I'm Netsai Gwich'in and Navajo. Okay, and Travis? Okay, Rochelle, go ahead. Van Gwinzi, good morning. Shojuit Rochelle Adams Oji, Tsenduts Agwichaje Gwatsanisi. My name is Rochelle Adams, and I'm from Beaver and Fort Yukon. Thank you for having us this morning. Thank you, and uh, Travis? 
I'm Travis Cole. I am from uh, originally from Malakakit and here in Fairbanks. My native name's Hanogishna, which means he made the people forget their sorrow. And I'm Bajista Hutana, the Caribou Clan. Well, welcome. And Travis, why don't you go ahead and kick us off and tell us a little bit about the area. Here in Fairbanks? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. What, what would you just like to know? Just anything about the people that live in the interior, the Fairbanks area? Well, Fairbanks is very diverse because we're surrounded by the entire Athabasca Nation, you might say, you know, in Alaska. So we have 42 different tribes, villages here in the interior. And Fairbanks has more than half of the native population of those villages living here in Fairbanks. And then we also have all the other people from the north and the west coast and south, you know, so we have the different diverse natives of you know, all the way from the lower 48. So Fairbanks is 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 a small community, you know. I'm, I'm used to living in the village, but if I had to live in a city any bigger than this, I wouldn't be comfortable. Fairbanks is just perfect for me. It's 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 very warm still. You could walk down the street and wave at people. You know, feels very comfortable living in. And as a native person, you know, it gives me opportunity to work because it's hard to find work in the village. That's why I moved here from the village to raise my two children uh, 10 years ago. And uh, Rochelle, tell us um, why you think it's important or why it's exciting to have these two conferences um, held in Fairbanks. Yeah, um, well, first of all, I get to see all of my family and my friends up here, um, Nana Esh being one of my little cousins. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's just so great, you know, to um, to have the have AFN and elders and youth in Anchorage and Fairbanks because it reaches a different population and it's easier for people and it's easier for our elders to get here. Um, a lot of them, like Travis was saying, live here in town. Um, a lot of people from our communities move here. And I just wanted to acknowledge um, the Lower Tanana people. This is their the uh, traditional homeland of the Benti Kanaga. And so I wanted to say Masicho to them for hosting us and for being the original stewards of the land here. And uh, Nana Ash, tell us a little bit about what your week's been like so far. Um, my week has been really eventful and everyone is so busy during this time of year. People are rushing to this um, meeting or they're going to look at the tables and they're going to um, the different parts of the Elders and Youth Conference. There's different, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Workshops. Workshops, mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> There's different workshops and it's, for me, been really fun. And I feel like I've been learning our indigenous people's knowledge and soaking up just all the amazing energy as well. And how long have you been coming to Elders and Youth Conference? This is my second year participating, um, but I've been before with my parents. And uh, you ran for a seat, uh, is that right, for the conference? Yes, I was nominated to be the youth member of the um, council. And so what does that mean? What does it mean to you to be a, um, a youth leader? Um, it means being really careful of what I say. <laughs> um, and also being, um, being grounded being grounded and knowing my people's knowledge and knowing what the youth want and what they need as well and 
trying and learning how to communicate that to the elders and the rest of the state. Well, each year um, an elder and a youth are chosen to be keynote speaker and um, present before the elders and youth conference attendees. And this year the youth keynote was actually a duo, um, some brothers who climbed uh, Mount Denali, Oliver and Wilson Hugendorn. You guys saw that mountain from when you guys were flying in yesterday? Or driving, maybe? That big one? Denali, yeah. <laughs> Should we show them some videos? We climbed it. <laughs> <laughs> Wilson Hogendorn. I'm from Nome, Alaska. I'm 19, I'm 20 years old. My mom is Brina Outwater and my dad is Willie Hogendorn. And you were the youth uh, keynote speaker. Um, what was your message to youth? I told them you can do anything that you want if you want it bad enough. And you talked a little bit about the climb you did on uh, Donali. What was the biggest challenge for you? Probably, I think maybe being alone for the most part, but I had my brother, but just having no one else for miles and miles around. And what was the most rewarding part of your climb? Most rewarding part was I put my heart to something and like put my head into something that I really wanted to do and getting to the top was very rewarding. So just knowing that I can do something that I really want. All right, and uh, you're here with your brother. Uh, please introduce yourself. My name is Oliver Hogendorn. And tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm 22 years old. I'm also from Nome, Alaska. Uh, Wilson's my brother and I did climb Denali with him. And you were, key, I guess, two keynote speakers together, a duo up there. Um, tell me a little bit about what your message is for young people here. I, I kind of wanted to let people know that it's okay to talk to other people about how you're feeling or um, what you're going through. Like, it's bad to keep that inside yourself. So if you can communicate that with others effectively and in a safe place, then that's uh, really healthy. Well, there are a lot of tough challenges that Native youth, um, not only here in Alaska face, but all across the country. And this is, um, the Elders and Youth Conference is an avenue where a lot of people come here and they do, you know, talk. So how, how do you see that in connection with what you did with your climb? How, like, if, like your brother was saying, you guys were alone and, you know, a lot of thoughts and just, just some of the challenges, um, how did you handle that? As far as communication and handling that, it was a lot of, for me, it was a lot of nonverbal communication. So depending on Wilson to know how I was feeling without really saying it. And I think that's also a valuable uh, means. Just recognizing that there's more than one avenue for letting people know how you feel. And that was the Elder and Youth uh, Conference, the youth, the keynote speakers, um, Oliver and Wilson. Hugendorn um, from Nome, Alaska, who were talking about some of the challenges, but also finding success in climbing Mount uh, Denali. Uh, Travis, I wanted to get your reaction to what the brothers had to say and their message to young people about you can do anything you put your mind to. Yeah, I think that's an amazing feat to, to climb Denali. I worked at uh, Cantitioner Roadhouse for two summers when I was younger, and just looking at the mountain, knowing that environment, being there for two summers, that is not an easy thing. So, you know, you know, hats off to those men for climbing that mountain. That is awesome. And, and the message of that, you know, you could do anything you set your mind to is absolutely true. You know, I've been through a lot of struggles in my life, 
and there was moments where I just felt like giving up and when I just kind of pushed myself through you know got myself on the other side and you know I always surprised myself like wow I, I was able to do that you know and that I think that just applies to everything you know whether you're going to climb a mountain or you're going to finish college or you're going to you know, get the job that you dreamed of or, you know, successfully do anything, you know, even to become sober. Like when I, I struggled with alcoholism and drugs, you know, I, I, I worked really hard on trying to be sober. And, you know, I think anything is possible. So, you know, those, those young men climbing that mountain is just really even more proof that anything's possible when you put your mind to it. And Rochelle, you're uh, shaking your head to what Travis is ha uh, saying. Um, a lot of everything that, all the activities that are taking place this week go back to culture, native language, native culture, identity, and part of community building. Um, what are your thoughts on that, on using native culture as a part of cultural resilience and community building mm -hmm. to address some of these tough issues that um, native people face? Yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I'm agreeing what Travis is saying because that is so right on. Um, you know, it really takes resilient, strong people. And I've just seen so much of that during the Elders and Youth Conference. I had many moments where I looked around and I saw elders smiling and youth doing our, you know, practicing our cultures, building drums and making chief necklaces and... Um, you know, all of these amazing things. And it's really because of that resiliency and that beauty and that strength in our culture that have, um, we've been able to survive this long and to thrive in our culture. And it's just so amazing that we're able to reclaim these, um, reclaim our songs and our dances, but also reclaim our language. And we're really seeing, going, we're about to see the language shift back to where we, we're all living and breathing our, our languages and cultures, and it's so exciting. And uh, Nana Ej, do you see uh, young people, young Native people embracing their Native culture like you see at the conference, like outside of the conference? I know growing up, um, I grew up in a border town, and I felt, uh, you know, growing up that the word Indian, because I'm Native American, mm -hmm. but the word Indian was often used kind of as a slur word. And so I think that you go through those moments when you're a young child and growing up that you're kind of unsure of identity and Native culture, um, unless you have a lot of support, a strong family, and even coming to events like this where, where you're encouraged to speak your language, even if you mess up some words, or you're encouraged um, just to embrace the Native culture. Your thoughts on young people, you know, embracing Native culture outside of these kind of events? Um, I think that a lot of our youth are really trying to embrace their culture. And I see that a lot at the events that are here where we'll be talking about outside of the event. And they'll be talking about how they high tanned with their grandma and it was amazing. And that was them trying to embrace their culture outside of this event where we have all the cultures and all of these different workshops that help you build that knowledge. But I think that our youth are really trying to learn their culture, especially since the languages are also, there's less speakers of the languages that are fluent. And so a lot of them are also trying to learn their language. And that's a really important. And I am so happy to, um, to be around all these other incredible youth who are embracing their cultures in such amazing ways.
And I think also part of it goes to imaging and in the media, whether it's in news stories or sports or um, film and television, about having accurate, positive representations of indigenous people um, in Alaska, uh, in the lower 48, around the world. And Rochelle, you're a part of um, that movement to bring mm -hmm. uh, accurate, positive representations into television. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, we were really happy that we got to share um, our work with Molly of Denali. And so I'm one of the permanent Alaska Native advisors and one of the original um, you know, people who sat down and really like were the creators of the of of Molly, her who Molly is, like who her world is and um, her community, what her family looks like. And we've been working on this for a few years and to be able to um, you know, roll out the show this summer. Um, it, it started airing in July and to be able to show it here at Elders and Youth um, with our advisory committee, we showed the episode called Grandpa's Drum, and that was really based off of the off of Luke Titus's story um, with boarding school, and you know, and we talked about like getting our songs back and getting our language back, and that's exactly what the episode was about. And it was a really powerful moment here at the on the Elders and Youth stage um, where we shared that with everybody, and we really did. Um, feel that collective healing happening amongst all of our people. So it was really amazing. And what was the response? Like what kind of response did you get? Um, you could really just feel the energy here all day. People were talking about it and coming up to me and sharing their experience with boarding school or they were um, saying that was their grandparents' story or how happy they were to see grandpa get his drum back. and. Um, and how much their children love the show. And so there's just so many times, you know, when people come up to me with so much joy. And um, one thing that I mentioned when we w had an interview on stage was that um, it's because of the beauty of our Alaska Native people that this show is a success. And so when they see that and they have that pride and that joy and all of that um, from watching the show, it's really a reflection of our Alaska Native and Indigenous people um, that they're seeing. And so I wanted to reflect that back to our people and I'm like, look at how beautiful you are, you know? And, and it, it, this is such a great platform to share that and to educate people about who we are as Alaskans. Um, you know, kind of dispel some of those preconceived like stereotypes that people have about Alaska. So it's just been really amazing. And uh, Travis, yeah. you go. But go I was going to say that Molly of Denali mm -hmm. is awesome show. I, I love yeah. it. Uh, everywhere I go, kids will tell me that. You know, yeah. and I, I work with uh, teaching songs or sharing songs. And just on Indigenous Day, I went to University Park to teach. Oh. All right, we're having oh. a, a little technical difficulties. Travis, but, uh, go ahead. I was, I was sharing songs with these youth, uh, these little kids, and talking about Native culture, but like they were raising their hands, and I was just like, so I pointed at them, and they just were saying, I love Molly of Denali. <laughs> you know, and I was just like, everywhere I go, I see these look, and my own children, my own two children, when yeah. it comes on at, at three and at uh, early in the morning, they're, they're always like, turn it right on. I love the show, it's got our sense of humor also, that's what I love about it. And uh, share a little bit about the drum. Um, Rochelle was talking about how the episode that was shared was Grandpa's Drum, and 
part of it being healing and healing from past traumas, including, um, you know, boarding school or any kind of traumas that we face. Uh, and as a drummer, tell, tell us a little bit about that and how that how, how the healing part of it comes out. Well, to me, I started drumming 30 years ago and I was going through a lot of difficulty in my life and uh, it just so happens my brother didn't want to drum. Usually like in the dance group, like the older boy, man would be the drummer. And he just, they handed him the drum. He just looked at me and handed me the drum because he didn't want to drum. So I started drumming from there, you know, and I, I wind up that year losing my best friend to suicide. And I, I, it was a really difficult time for me. It was, I, I, I kind of wanted to give up myself on life, but I thought to myself, I'll do something in his honor. And so I continued to drum and sing and pursue that, you know, and then I, I through all this 30 years, I've seen a lot of good things come out of it. You know, people, people would uh, talk about it and things like that, try to describe it. But for 30 years, I've seen it and I've lived it and it has saved my life. You know, drumming is a very powerful thing when you come into a room full of people like here at AFN or potlatches or things like that. Everybody's on a different page. You know, some people are happy, sad, mad, whatever it is. But when you, you get into the singing and the drumming and you pour your heart into it, you know, everybody seems to walk out on the same page. You know, their spirits woken up by the drum. It feels so much better. You know, everybody's smiling. You know, and for the struggles that we go through here in a, the interior, what I've experienced, you know, it always seems like people go to the potlatches and things like that, and it just kind of reawakens their, their spirit. I know there's so much about drumming, you know, the, the whole lifestyle that I've lived, the one thing that has been good for me is the drumming. If I didn't have drumming, I wouldn't even be here today, I don't believe, you know, it help, helps with my sobriety, it helps me with my connection to my community, and with my children, you know, my daughter's very shy about it, but my, my son, he goes out there with me, but you know, that I think it really connects our community back. You know, when we're, we're all living separate lifestyles and everything that we do today, and we're diverse. You know, and you know, back around here, I hear drumming right now, right. it's beautiful. You know, and it's a perfect way to start the AFN is, you know, wake up everybody's spirit, you know, get that, that spiritual. You know, to me, the, the the whole feeling of music is universal. Whether you speak the language or not, you, know, you can always tell if it's a happy or mad, or a happy or joyful song, or you know, a somber song, you know, honor song. So, you know, music just goes across all borders. You know, it takes away the walls. And and for me to understand that, you know, our ancestors, our spirit their spirit is still amongst us. And when when I'm out there drumming and we get the great feeling going on, I can just feel our ancestors there, you know, and, and it takes sometimes a lot to understand that because you know, I've been doing this for years and there's been moments where I, I just kind of went through the motion of drumming. I wasn't feeling right myself, but then when I'm feeling right, you know, the group feels right, everybody's putting their heart into it. It's, it's, some of the most life-changing moments I've had in my life is just simply being out on the floor with a lot of other people, drumming, learning from elders, 
watching the little kids starting to learn the song, pick up on it, having fun with it, you know. I always see the kids about halfway through the whole drumming session, they'd just be so full of energy, you know, and the, the elders said that that's their spirit. you woken up their spirit, and now you know, they can't control themselves. They'll just start running around all over the place. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of important things about our language and everything else, but for my life, it's just always the drumming is what I had. And it's just, you know, one of the most important things I think that we need to help bring us together is give us a, that strength to really, and motivation to really keep forward on regaining our, our culture and things like that. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. And we're at uh, the Carlson Center in Fairbanks, Alaska today. And uh, we can hear some drumming in the background. And thank you, Travis, for sharing a little bit more about drumming and the importance of it in Alaska Native communities. Um, we're, I'm, we're here in interior Alaska, where the first Alaskans Institute's Elders and Youth Conference took place uh, for three days. And it is prior to the Alaska Federation of Natives Annual Convention. And that is also a three-day conference. I have some guests here joining me um, who are from Interior Alaska, and um, we're, we're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back. Welcome back to Alaska's Native Voice from the Carlson Center in Fairbanks, Alaska. I'm Antonia Gonzalez, and we are reflecting on a week of activities that um, started Monday here in Fairbanks for the Elders and Youth Conference and the start of the Alaska Federation of Natives Annual Convention. I have three guests joining me, and um, let's do real quick, welcome back. Uh, please introduce yourself. I'm Nana Esh Peter, and I'm 15 years old. All right, thank you. Travis, please uh, introduce yourself. Travis Cole from Alakakit, Rachel. And Rochelle? Rochelle Adams from Beaver and Fort Yukon. And before the break, we were talking about music and how music is healing, especially the drum. And Travis was uh, sharing how important it is to him and how it really has helped him in his life, um, including overcoming challenges. And we see that a lot in these uh, two conferences, the Elders and Youth Conference and um, the uh, AFN conference and uh, music uh, like Travis you were saying is universal and um, fiddling and fiddle dancing here in the interior is really popular. Um, I've seen a lot of flyers of upcoming events and even at the Elders and Youth Conference they have a workshop on um, learning the fiddle dance. My name is Jerry Frank. 
Vinitai. Vinitai, Alaska, up north from here. A lot of them like my tune, so the more they like it, the more I want to play. And the more you play, the more better you get. But people enjoy it. People enjoy my music, so I like it. I make them smile, make them dance. Woo-wee! Bill was brought in from uh, the trappers, people that kind of came from, uh, I mean, come from Canada. Uh, a lot of it is just uh, from Scottish, uh, Virginia Reels and all that. I started out playing guitar and then I played with the fiddlers and then, and I, love, I like doing it. Uh, we'd like to see everyone uh, get into music. Music is it's a universal language. And that was part of a session, a workshop at Elders and Youth Conference, um, and it was a live band. It was live, the, the, you know, it was it was really exciting, and it was really hot in there, and everybody just had big smiles, and even if they didn't know. Um, you know, how to dance. They were encouraged to get up and dance. And um, Nana Ej, you are, you've, I've seen you in those workshops in the past and um, your family is into it. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, jigging is so much fun. I've been jigging for a long time and there's events that happen throughout the year, usually in March and then in um, the darker months of the year. And it's just when our people come together and we're dancing and we're smiling and we're laughing and there's so much love and positive energy it really helps lift my mood throughout that time of year too because there's finals and <laughs> there's um it's just cold and dark and having all of the the um tradition and culture and smiles and laughter of everyone just filling a space really warms my heart and it really is like a healing as well and uh, tell us a little bit about what jigging is if um, you know people listening to this mm -hmm. may not be familiar with it. Yeah, um, jigging is, so there's a fiddle and it's hitting some, um, it's sort of like, and you're bouncing on your feet, sort of um, just bouncing on your feet, yeah. I guess you'd have to see it to really, really understand it. But everyone is, um, sort of hopping or bouncing and moving their feet fancy to this fiddle and the band. And a lot of the times there will be, people will be in their moccasins and they'll have beautiful um, rabbit fur and beaded um, hides. And it's, it's just beautiful, yeah. And it, I, you see the um, students who may not, you know, come from different areas of the state and maybe they don't have um, the same kind of um, music or the same kind of dances there. And you just see the joy on their faces when they're participating. And even if they, you know, uh, sometimes they're shy, but there's different dances too, right? There's like um, uh, certain dances for men and women. Tell us a little bit about that. So there's um, square dances and... Um, like a rabbit and a fox dance. I'm sure Rochelle knows like the traditional names of them or the more, um, the, yeah. Okay, yeah, go ahead, Rochelle. Like Nitzetle and Getchadza. Um, there's some other ones I can't think of off the top of my head, but yeah. A lot of them are a male and a female will ask to dance together. And it's, um, 
Yeah. And anything else to add, Risha? Yeah. Um, from what I know is that uh, the French Canadians brought that into our area a long time ago, and we just really enjoyed it so much. It just stuck with us. And so we have a lot of our young people taking up the fiddling and the um, guitar playing, and just we have so many musicians amongst our people. Um, and it goes back to that love for music that Travis was talking about. And um, so we, we carry the drum, but we also you know, like carry guitars and fiddles too. So we really do love music and, um, you know, and I, that's really like keeps the heartbeat of our culture like thriving. Yeah, and and, and any, there's a lot of different um, genres too. They have uh, the Elders and Youth Conference has an annual, you know, show your native talent night. And so you, I've seen everything from opera singing to yeah. ballet dancing to you name it, I mean. Yes. Uh, did you sing? Um, I didn't sing this year, uh -huh. but I've sung in the past uh -huh. with my guitar and ukulele, or just a cappella. Yeah. So what? So you embrace all kinds of different music then? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, I play guitar, ukulele, and I'm just starting to pick up the piano, and it's it's healing for me, and I I do love music so much. I like writing songs as well and I've worked with my grandma and my dad and others to write um, Alaska Native songs in our language as well so that I can really combine like this um, maybe pop of like Western and our language and our culture together and I think that's really important too being able to have all of these different like sciences and knowledges and being able to put them together because it makes you, um, it really enlightens you too, just knowing and just learning and, and listening. <laughs> and do you use, um, do you see yourself using both of your tribal identities or do you tend to like focus on one side more than the other? I'm just curious since yeah. you're, you know, since you have two different tribes. Yeah, so I'm Navajo and Gwich'in. And when I was younger, I lived in Arizona with my grandparents for a while. And um, I would be out on the reservation in Chanto, Arizona, where um, my grandpa is from. And that was, I loved it there. And, um, but I moved here when I was five, too. And so a lot of it is usually Gwich'in, just because I don't have that, like, immediate tie with um, being on the land in Arizona. And, but when I am there, I try to really embrace that culture as well, just to get the best of both worlds. <laughs> and Travis, any thoughts? Well, like they're saying about the music, you know, we, we as natives kind of, when we find something that we love, we, we bring it into our own. So we've been doing the drumming for thousands of years, but when they brought along the fiddle, we, you know, we adopted that and then the guitar, you know, we adopted that. Like my cousin Mark Brown, he plays guitar, you know, and, and and I, I love it when, like, I don't jig. It is, is so much work. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually a Khoikhan Athabascan, and we did, like, the two-step style. And so I love going to listen to the music. So I always go to the uh, Dixie Alexander, always has a, a fiddling over at um, the Morris Thompson Convention Center here every year, a couple times a year. And so I, I love just going there, helping out Dixie by cleaning up and everything like that like since i was young i known her and uh just listening to the music watching the people smile and dance and have fun with it you know but 
you know, we have young people that are starting to learn music and they're, they're adding our native touch to it. And so it's awesome, you know, to see, you know, see artists who paint and draw and graphic design. Molly of Denali, you know, we're, we're, we're starting to express ourselves in so many different medias and genres and things like that. It's just exciting to see because when I was growing up as a young person, it was mostly just, you know, drumming and and seeing the fiddling and stuff like that. And Alakakit, every New Year's and holiday, we'd have fiddle dance. You know, I didn't have really much other than that besides fiddle dance. And unless there was a potlatch, and that's when they usually did our native singing. Not, uh, not very often did we have potlatches like that, but growing up here in Fairbanks also, you know, it's just so much more people. I've been in a lot of potlatches. And uh, also part of um, what we've been talking about is learning from elders and um, not only music, but um, dog mushing is uh, uh, um, also an elder was uh, recognized yesterday, George Atla, who is from um, Husli, is that right? And you probably all know him (laughs) but um, there was a documentary that was shown last night and in 2013 I got a chance to uh, speak with him here at uh, AFN. I used to mush dogs uh, and I did for years. I won eight North American championships and ten world championships and probably a hundred other races across the state and Canada. We have a program that's gone in the village of Huslia. And it's a kids, it's a program for the high school kids. And we do it eight times a week for an hour. And the program is totally run on volunteers. And we're actually got it into the school, so we're doing it on school time. And that was an interview from 2013. Uh, Travis, tell us a little bit about um, who he was. George is a legend. When Alakakit growing up, you know, right above Al- right above Huslia, there was uh, we had more dogs than people living in Alakakit. I remember as a child, there's so many dog teams, and dog mushing was the biggest thing. There's always like during carnivals, spring carnivals. They're during potlatches. There, there, a couple times a year they had uh, dog races in my village, and people would go to Huslia and Hughes, and you know. And when George Atla came to Alakakit, it was always fun to watch him race. You know, we we'd we'd see him on the North American. We'd we only had one channel at the time, so when they had the North American on, you know, everybody's cheering for George. You know, for. He was our, our, our uh, like today they have LeBron James, you know, <laughs> right. but George Atla was like that to us. He was our star athlete here in the interior, you know, he was our, uh, you know, and, and, and seeing him race was just amazing, you know. I don't know, it's hard to put it into words because, you know, I, when I moved to Fairbanks, we'd see him pull up with his dog team and and uh, being from the Koikuk River, you know, where the Koiglatsuna, we live by the river, and we're, we're like family, that whole entire river, Alakakit, Hughes, Huslia, and, um, you know, my, my, my cousin that one time, you know, he said, hey, let's go to George's house and uh, drive snow machines. I was like, sure, you know, we went out to his house, and then he said, well, you have to clean up the yard first, and man, he has so many dogs. We had, we were out there for hours just cleaning the dog yard. 
you know, and uh, just to know that growing up that that's a lot of work. It's not just like you just tie up some dogs and go for a cruise every now and then. You have to feed them, take care of them, you know, and so knowing that he had such great dogs, that must have meant that he, he worked very hard on them. And you have to really love your dogs and take good care of your dogs in that way so that they, they run hard for you. And so, you know, knowing that just as a child helping out in dog yards like that, it was like he must have done a lot of good things for his dog team to really have him work so hard for him too. So, you know, his, his, his gift of racing dogs is what inspired a lot of other young dog mushers. You know, I remember as a child, I wanted to dog mush, but I was too small at the time. And he, and in this clip, um, he was talking about introducing it in schools and working with kids in schools and just the joy it brought him. Uh, Rochelle, why is that important? It's really important to bring our cultural knowledge and our community knowledge into the schools, um, really to to bridge that gap between our education system and our communities and to share the knowledge that our children are learning and practicing with their families and, and have that within the school system to show that it, it's important and it's just as a just as valid to learn about, you know, in within our education as um, you know the curriculum that they're teaching and so it's 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 important especially for our languages um, and I'll keep going back to our languages because um, it's so important to us and 2019 is the year of the indigenous languages which is amazing um, and the focus of the elders and youth the theme of this year was languages are superpower um, and so I think that's the best way to really show our kids that our cultures are important and that by teaching and um, for our kids to learn our languages you know there have been studies that show that if they even have exposure to that that they do better in all areas of their life and in all areas of of school and so by having that cultural education and that community knowledge it really creates that wholeness and that wellness for our students to do better in all areas and w tell us a little bit about the uniqueness of languages here in the interior. Well, in the interior, we're all um, a part of the Diné language family, which is one of the largest language families. It reaches down to Nana Ej's other side of the family, the Navajo and the Apache, um, and down into Mexico. And so in Alaska, we have 11 different Athabascan languages, 11 different Athabascan tribes. Um, some of these tribes, like my own, the Gwich'in Nation, goes into Canada, um, and some of the Han Gwich'in go into Canada. But yeah, they um, there there's a lot of uh, Athabascan comparative studies that you know show how we're all, all our languages are connected, and uh, yeah, it's really interesting. There's so many ways to learn to to learn our languages and. Um, to practice and so we have lots of activity happening with that. And um, going back to um, the languages we were talking a little bit about um, George Atla, I wanted to ask uh, uh, Nana Edge about the, the film. Your father Yvonne Peter had a, has a part, a role in helping bring that to the area. Tell us a little bit about the premiere. Um, yeah, so last night I went to the Atla world premiere screening and my father's role was he was one of the cultural advisors on the documentary or film movie and um, just 
being able to be at such an amazing, to be able to witness such an amazing film that took five years in the whole process and being able to listen and really hear the story and see it as well of how George Atla, just his personality, you could really feel it through the screen and you could feel all the love and talking about like the the dogs and how you were talking about how much he loved his dogs. In the movie, he said that you have to love the dogs and you have to make them believe that they're the best because they are and then they'll maybe they'll get so full of themselves that they'll be really good. <laughs> um, but he loved his dogs and he also loved his culture and that connection that it gave him and his um, grandson or grandnephew, yeah. Um, it also followed his that grandson in the film and it was him learning from his grandpa, Atla, how to dog mush. And it was that passing of culture and knowledge. And it made me cry. <laughs> um, it was so beautiful being able to see that on screen. And then afterwards, they had a panel where the grandson was there with the um, other um, daughters of George Atla and the son and a sibling. And um, it was really touching. and really motivating and empowering I think too witnessing not only a film about our native peoples being broadcasted to the whole nation but also just sitting there as a youth and soaking up this knowledge and soaking up all the like positive positive things and also motivated to go out and and maybe create something like that create something that brings our culture in and shares it with the world and really empowers other youth to continue their culture as well. And, uh, you know, these two events, um, when they're over, the knowledge will keep going, you know, out of these two conferences, out of the events, out of movies, whatever is going on um, outside in the world. And what do you hope that um, people take away after this week, Rochelle? I hope that something is sparked inside of them in whatever it may be that they're doing, whether it's hands-on workshops with sewing, um, or if it's drumming, or if it's becoming a language warrior. Um, I hope that they find something that speaks to them and speaks to their spirit to continue um, practicing and loving our cultures and to be proud of them and to share those out and to um, advocate for our people and to continue to hold space for our culture and to make sure that you know these are always represented and they always have a place because Alaska has and always will be an Alaska Native place. And part of the conferences, both conferences, is policy making and um, addressing these issues that we've been talking about as well. And Travis, um, what have you learned about doing work on the grassroots level and really working with communities, whether it's to address and talk about stuff like uh, suicide or um, suicide prevention or other issues in the community? Well, kind of ties into what you're asking earlier is that, you know, you see these people come here to these conferences and it's a safe 
place for them to really open up and start talking. So I'm hoping that you know the young people here, the older people here, they get that courage when they're watching each other speak and hearing each other go through the same thing that they, they decide to open up right now, right here, and share something that might inspire somebody else. Because it takes a lot of courage for a young person or even an older person, even my age, would try to, to open up about something that we've been going through. And we could be in a room full of the people going through the same thing, but nobody had the courage to really say anything. So when we see people here with that courage, opening up, you know, and, and talking about these issues and being honest about it, not just trying to sugarcoat it or play it off like it's all right, but to really dig deep into that issue about what's going on in their communities. And that'll help other people in these, you know, from all over Alaska here to really look at themselves in hindsight and reflect about what's going through their, their families and their communities and how whatever this person might be talking about inspires them to do the same, you know, inspires people to start talking because I think a lot of this silence that goes on in the villages with issues is what leads up to things like alcoholism and suicide and drugs and things like that. You know, we have an epidemic of meth and heroin going on, seeing um, it just take young people, and people of all ages really, it's just starting to affect our communities in such a bad way, you know, and, and sometimes we don't want to talk about things like that, but when we see people talk about it, it gives us hope that it's a right to talk about it, it's okay, you know, it's not a shameful thing to be flawed, to have, have issues in our lives that, you know, might be very painful, but we feel more embarrassed than, than you know, we could, we're, we're very strong people. And sometimes I think just being embarrassed about things, we hide it. We don't, we don't face it. We don't, you know, as a, as a group come together and try to think about it, you know, and talk about it. And, you know, through our culture and through our language, through a lot of great things that are, you know, part of our, our way of life, we could use that to get through it. It's just the first thing we got to do is really admit that there's an issue, that there's a problem, you know, as, you know, being a part of a few things in my life, you know, and uh, working with FNA, TCC, you know, Doyon, seeing, seeing what they do, you know, a lot of times is it takes people to get up and tell our, our leaders what's going on in the community so that our leaders could decide to seek funding for it and programs and start dealing with those issues. But it's really up to us as just everyday people to just open up about that and start dealing with it regardless of any other, you know, outside corporation or anything to help us. It's, it's up to us. It's just like our ancestors. They survived on this land for thousands of years with using their own two hands and their wits, you know, their knowledge, their traditions. And I think that's what's important about our traditions. Even though the world is changing around us, we got to keep our traditions the way it was. I, I learned it one way and I handed on that same way. Even though, you know, people would want to change traditions to fit America, how America is different. But, you know, one, at one time, you know, America wasn't really so friendly to us. <laughs> You know, so, you know, our traditions is what powered us through there. You know, for thousands of years here in Alaska, it was dark and cold and everything like that. These traditions kept our, our people strong and going through all that. 
You know, it's like every time there's a potlatch and people are hurt, we come together and we support each other. So, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of important things about our traditions, those values, those strengths that could get us through the issues that we have today, you know, whether it's suicide, drug problems, alcoholism, you know, and it's, it's, it's just two worlds coming together. You know, and, and I think this modern day world is constantly changing, but our tradition's got to be that rock, that foundation that we always have. And uh, Nana Edge, um, listening to Travis and Rochelle and other um, people who were, you know, I guess guiding you this week um, and in life in general, just listening to what our guests had to say here today. Um, what are you taking away this week as a young person? I have had so many different like epiphanies, I guess, maybe, or um, just like people, these messages that I've felt through in multiple ways in this week and maybe a little bit of last week as well. And it's that we, I as a youth, am my, I cannot be afraid to use my voice and I need to use it because it's strong and it's beautiful and it's one of our indigenous people's voices and we need to be heard and that we also need to listen to our elders. We need to soak up the knowledge and the stories and so that we can stay grounded as well in that. And I felt so much love too as something that I'm coming away with to like motivate me and all of these other youth to continue forward in the work of cultural learning and revitalization and also um, just being themselves and being accepting of themselves because it is hard when you're different from the majority of the people in your school maybe and um, being able to have connections with other um, Alaska Native people from around the state is also something that I've gained here and it's been such an honor just sitting down with different youth and different elders from everywhere and soaking up their knowledge and making friends with them. Well, we look forward to seeing um, what it, whatever good you're going to do in the future. And I want to thank all of you for joining me today. Uh, Nanej Peter, uh, Travis Cole, and um, Rochelle Adams. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is uh, Alaska's Data Voice. We are at the Carlson Center in Fairbanks, Alaska. And um, we have some more shows coming up for you on Friday and Saturday. So we encourage you to tune in as we talk to more people who've been at both of these conferences in Fairbanks and um, as people prepare to do other events also outside of the conferences. And you'll hear many voices here on Alaska's Native Voice. I also want to uh, thank producer Emily Schwing and our board operator today is Lauren Dixon. Have a great day. AFN, Alaska's Native Voice, produced and directed by Antonia Gonzalez and Emily Schwing. Major support provided by Arctic Slope Regional Corporation, Rasmussen Foundation, ConocoPhillips, the Siri Foundation, ExxonMobil Alaska, South Central Foundation, 
Manilak Association, Chalista Corporation, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, Cook Inlet Lending Center, and Foundation Health Partners. This is a production of Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation and Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Service.